Welcome! This is the Hassan Sorrells Audio Experience. My name is Hassan Sorrells. Look, we are trying something different. So I want you to join us on the Hassan Sorrells Presents Audio Experience for interviews, for rants, for raves, for thoughts, for process. And you'll get a knee-deep, hip-deep, and ear-deep view inside of what I do. Look, if you like what you're listening to, please like me, please rank me, Stitcher, iTunes, Overcast, Google Play Music, everywhere where you get your groove on, I want you to give me a few stars. All right, now, let's head into the experience. Oh, everything's going to be slow today? Of course everything's going to be slow today. Admit. Everything's going to be slow today. Ugh, it's going to be a thing. Yeah, okay. That's good. Go for it. Continue yeah. continue your thought there. Yeah. Um yeah, so we were just talking about your your friend, Father mm-hmm. Father Chris. Uh, yeah. Father Chris, yeah, who uh was talking about suffering and uh like I don't think we've done enough work in Protestant circles on a theology of suffering. I think um it just like it took Protestants a while to catch up on the issues of life. I think mm-hmm. the Catholic Church was way out ahead of the the, the whole uh, life issue when it came to abortion and euthanasia. And Protestants got there, but we were playing catch up. I mean, and to be fair, uh, you know, the, the the Catholic Church has a 1500 year head start. So, uh, <laughs> you know, like it, there is that. But Augustine uh, and Aquinas and yeah. all those guys. Eh, and, you know, uh, I mean, we we had Jonathan Edwards. I mean, you know, but but again, like give us give us another thousand years, okay? Yeah, I mean, we'll, be fine. we'll get there. Um, but they'll but, still have, uh, but then it'll be like twenty five hundred years, and then I don't know what's going to yeah, happen at that and point. Who knows what who the Catholics will have? It's great, but no, it's fine. I uh, uh, yeah. So so, but when it comes to a theology of suffering, uh, I to go back to that, I I feel like in a lot of Protestant circles uh there's a um there's a push to um discount the value and the dignity that comes through suffering and we we want the miracle right we want the power of god we want um and really what we're doing is we're discounting the suffering of christ in that moment like if we if we want to be like christ then we have to embrace the hardships that Christ embraced, you know, like everybody wants, everybody wants to be like Jesus when there's a, um, you know, when it comes to a miracle, right? Oh, I want to, I want to, I want a, a thousand followers like Christ had, like Christ had all these followers, you know, but mm-hmm. okay, well, do you want to go to the, you want to go to the cross? Like, I mean, Christ went to the cross, right? But nobody, everybody's out on that part of following Jesus. Right. Right. And so, uh, <clears throat> so I, I do, I appreciate what, uh, your, uh, your former priest, uh, Father Chris, is is probably going to add to the discussion. I think he's going to have a lot of good things to say there. I think he will too, and that's and we're going to have him um, on an upcoming episode of the mm-hmm. Hayson Sorrell's Audio Experience podcast, yep. such as it were. Um, but today we want to welcome, with that rousing open, we want to welcome Brian Bagley. So, Brian, why don't you tell our listeners who you are and what you do? Let's start with that. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I. I am currently uh, the campus pastor for the, the Granbury campus at Stonewater Church. And Stonewater Church is a relatively new 
new church. It was started uh, about, uh, I believe it was in 2005 was when two, two brothers, this kind of the, the senior pastor, Jeremy and his brother, Joey, uh, uh, started out church planters right here in Granbury, Texas. And, um, Yep. And then launched Stonewater Church and it's grown over the last uh, almost, I guess, 18 years, almost 20 years or so to uh, to five campuses in in the area, kind of in the immediate area. And I lead uh, I get the privilege of, of pastoring um, hel- or helping to pastor the largest campus in here in Granbury. Uh, one of the probably one of the, the main things that I do is I'm in charge of uh, kind of the spiritual health of the church. And so making sure we're we're uh we're good on doctrine and uh that we're following god's word and sticking to that uh i, I do a lot of counseling and, and uh, helping the people of the church overcome um well we we call we like to say um that we we get healthy we we develop spiritually by recognizing and repenting of sin by uh, replacing our lies with god's truth and so so that's uh, everything that I do probably stems from that line of thought or that purpose, I guess, if you will. So, so that's what I do awesome. here at Stonewater Church now. Now, <clears throat> most people who listen to this listen to this podcast either on the audio or who will be watching the video on YouTube um, a little bit later on um, probably don't think too deeply about the path of how a person becomes um, either a pastor uh, or a um, or a reverend or a even a theologian, and I, I invited you on because I wanted to, I want to talk about that path. I also want to talk about uh, theology and 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 have a, maybe a little bit of a rousing discussion here about what systemic theology is versus other types of theological thinking. Um, what exactly is a Calvinist? Because most people don't know what that is. <laughs> um, and and of course, you know, where does a non denominational um, church like um, Stonewater fit in to the much larger context of, you know, uh, the Baptist, uh, the, the, the overwhelming number of Baptist churches that yeah. are in the South. Yeah. And of course, because we live in the present, we have to contextualize this with the recent allegations, uh, you know, from the Southern Baptist Conference um, mm-hmm. of sexual abuse inside of their conference and the fact that Christians yeah. are often tarred and feathered. Uh, mm-hmm. All Christian denominations are often tarred and feathered when one Christian denomination mm-hmm. is revealed to have have individuals in it that have feet of clay. So we're going to talk right. a lot about a lot of things on this That's podcast great. today. We're going to go deep, but let's kind of go back a little bit. I, I'm sure Brian, you didn't wake up one morning at like mm-hmm. eight years old and go, "I'm gonna be a pastor." That's what's going to happen. Although some people do, like yeah. you know, I had that thought that maybe I was going to do that, and then I discovered girls at like twelve, and so yeah. that went that went totally completely <laughs> off the rails uh, in a whole lot of different ways. Yeah. Um, but um, but how did you wind up being in the place that you are at? Kind of lay out a little bit of your path for folks who are listening. Yeah, man, that's really that's a great question. So I didn't, uh, uh, I, I I didn't start out wanting to be in ministry. I. Matter of fact, I I had someone. My grandma, when I was a kid, uh, she she told me she said, uh, and, and I can't remember exactly how she stated it, but I think she said, uh, uh, maybe maybe you'll be, uh, a, a, in her words, a man of God, or something like that. <laughs> and uh, and 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 I'm thinking to myself, like, 
uh, well, a man of God is just somebody who just loves God, you know, just follows God. And yeah. we were, we were real active growing up in, a in, in the South. I grew up in a Southern Baptist church and, uh, we, we were, I think we were in church every day. The doors were open. I think, I don't know. It was a lot. And, but, but I, it, I was grateful for that. I, I, I grew up in a, uh, uh, a Christian environment. Uh, my, my parents were, they were great people, honestly, uh, still, uh, still are to this day. And they're very active in their church. My dad was a, a deacon and, you know, my mom just helped out in the church. You know, she, she didn't have an office. She just would volunteer and help and, you know, teach, uh, Sunday school classes or, you know, just, yeah, they were just hard. They were just a part of that community. And, um, and so I kind of grew up in this, uh, um, this very Baptist environment. Um, it was very evangelistic. Um, and so we, I can remember as a kid, uh, we would go on, uh, I think Tuesdays, uh, I can't remember, maybe it's Mondays. I don't know. Anyway, we'd go knock on doors in neighborhoods and, uh, we would hand out little gospel tracks and tell people about Christ. And sometimes people would, would be open to that and they would receive mm-hmm. Christ. And, um, it, it was a different time, I think back then in the, in the eighties. Um, now I think, uh, you know, when you knock on somebody's door in the eighties, you know, everybody wants to know who that was, you know, everybody runs to the right. door and they're like, Hey, you know, and now, uh, you knock on somebody's door and, uh, you, you know, it's a camera, right. Yeah, they're like, yeah. like, who are you? What are you here for? You know? And, uh, so Welcome I don't know. Instagram. Yeah. Instagram. I don't know what that is. Uh, but it's just a different culture now. Um, yeah. but it, but it was a very loving environment. Uh, it, I think it was very much a serving environment. And so, uh, I know a lot of people have hurts from, from the church, uh, uh, just like, uh, just like in anything, um, if, if, whether it's, uh, you know, government or law enforcement or medicine, there are always going to be bad actors, bad apples, and the church is comprised of people. And so there are going to be, there are going to be bad actors in everything. Uh, people get hurt in, in everything. And, um, and so I know you wanted to talk about a little bit about that later, but, but sort of my background was that that was the context, which I, I came in. Um, and I, I remember my pastor one day, um, was talking about, um, baptism and one of my friends got baptized and I can't remember how old I was. I was young, um, Mm -hmm. elementary school and, and, uh, I, you know, I understood I wasn't old enough to have all the answers to every theological concept and question, but, but I was old enough to understand the gospel, which is that, uh, you know, we've all sinned. We've, mm-hmm. you know, we've, we're all sinners. I understood that. I mean, I'd been in trouble with my parents before I knew what that was. Uh, and, uh, that, uh, that Christ, that all sin, no matter what, that, uh, is the payment for sin is death according to, uh, to scriptures and God's word. And, and, uh, you know, I, I don't want that. You know, I'm not interested in being separated from, from God. I want to, I want to follow God and love God. And so mm-hmm. I uh, prayed to receive Christ as my, my Lord and savior, as it were, I, I, you know, said, Hey, you know, I, I agree with God that, that, uh, that I'm a sinner and that, that I, I, I want him to be my Lord. And so, so, uh, so I, at that age, I just, uh, I prayed with my dad and my dad said, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. You know, if you can admit that, that you need God, believe that he can help you and, and agree with him that he's God and you're not, that's the, that's the basic contours of faith anyway. Right. And we can fill in, we can go from there. And so, 
So as a young kid, I'd say probably seven or so, seven or eight, I was baptized um, as a believer. And I just kind of went on my way. And, and of course, I, you know, I didn't understand a lot of things. Um, uh, I got, I think uh, at some point in high school, uh, I was uh, exposed to pornography, ended up de developing a uh, an addiction to pornography when I got to college because uh, when I got to college, there's this thing, uh, I don't know if you remember in 1995, this thing called the internet came out and, uh, you know, <laughs> so, <I'm> this, <laughs> so uh, I saw, I saw it in, I saw, I first saw the internet in 1982. Oh, there saw, you go. Yeah. Was, yeah. I first, it saw went Google. mainstream. It went mainstream. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I first saw Google in 1997. Oh and my I remember gosh. thinking, this will have no impact on my life whatsoever. And I yes. went outside and like, you know, shot basketballs or whatever. Um, yeah. you know, and I, little I, did we know. Yeah. Well, I should have gone back and kick myself. Yeah. I should have like, shut up. You need to invest 10 cents <laughs> in Google stock. Yeah. When I it mean, was uh, like now. a 10th of a cent for a share. <laughs> exactly. yeah. When Yahoo couldn't figure out their business model or how oh, they were going to make gosh. any money. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so anyway, so. so I guess what happened there was I, you know, I, I, I knew I needed help. I mean, at some yeah. point I woke up in the morning, I'm like, uh, this is terrible. This is ruining my life. I knew it was, I knew this wasn't, uh, uh, something that God wanted me to participate in. Yep. I, uh, at that point I was in the military, uh, mm -hmm. okay. and, uh, I, cause I had gone to, I'd gone to West point, uh, to, to become a commissioned officer in the army. Um, I finished, uh, I knew, I knew I was in trouble when I was there. Uh, it wasn't until I had gotten out, I, you know, and I would try, I would have moments of sobriety mm -hmm. as, uh, you know, uh, spurts of sobriety, but I, 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 I didn't, I never, I couldn't establish lasting sobriety in that yeah. fight. Um, and it wasn't until uh, I remember I was actually in uh, Iraq on my first deployment and um, the, uh, the, the chaplain, I, I, I was going to chapel, chapel there. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, you know, whenever, you know, once a week or so. <clears throat> and I remember that the chaplain would always do the Lord's Supper. He'd always give us mm -hmm. communion. And uh, he would always say, uh, uh, if, uh, and he was just quoting scripture, First Corinthians chapter 11 there. And he said, uh, if, if there's any, if there's a, if there's any sin in your life that you've not confessed to God, that you've not, uh, that you've not really trusted him with, then uh, I want to urge you to to just abstain from communion today, and uh, let the elements go. And then don't. In other words, don't. He would. I think his words were, "Don't take the the supper of God in an unworthy manner." I think mm -hmm. is how he put it. Okay. And and I and I, I heard that. I heard that. I heard that. I heard that multiple times, over and over and over. And then finally, it hit me mm -hmm. what he was talking about. Like, uh, oh wait a minute, actually. I don't know. I don't, I, I don't really know if I believe God can help me with this. And, uh, and that's when I thought I, I've not, I've not trusted God with, with this struggle. Like I've been trying to do it on my own strength and not rely on God's strength in this. And, uh, and I remember <clears throat> I let the, I let the elements go. I just mm -hmm. let them for the first time in my life. I, I did not partake in the Lord's supper. I let the elements go. And, and I said, uh, I said, God, I don't want to do this in an unworthy manner. I want to, I want you, I need your help. I want you to help me with this. I don't know how this is going to work. Mm -hmm. I don't know how you're going to help me get sober here, Lord, but, but I'm going to confess that you're God and I can't do this mm -hmm. without you. I, I want to be free. Please help me. Uh, and I, and I was just having an emotional, I, I remember I was just crying right there in the, in the yeah. middle of that tent in the desert. Everybody was looking at me like, uh, 
what's wrong with this guy? Did his what's buddy just die? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Did his, what, did his buddies just die? Like what's going yeah. on? I mean, you know, but, but I was just having a moment with God anyway. Um, uh, that, so that was the, that was the process really that began the process of working out, walking out sobriety in my life going forward. And I remember that was sort of the moment that wasn't the moment that I, I got, I don't believe I gave my life to Christ, but I believe that was a watershed moment in my life about understanding what it means to follow Christ, what it means mm-hmm. to, to give everything to him. Um, and, um, and so like that sort of began a journey for me at that point. Uh, I remember I came back from the military. I went, or, I'm sorry, I came back from that deployment back to Fort Hood. I went back to uh, Iraq again and I sensed in my spirit that there was just something else that God wanted me to do. I didn't know what it was. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. Ministry wasn't even a thought on my mind. I just knew, I, I knew from this and and some things. I, w- I was married at this time. My wife was uh, was yep. at Fort Hood. We had, she had a couple of kids. We had a couple of kids, and so we were. Um, uh, but she was home with them, and uh, I remember uh, just coming home one day uh, after that second that second deployment and uh, looking at her, looking at them. And I just knew there was something else. I didn't know what it was, mm-hmm. uh, but I knew it was time to go. I knew our, our time in the military had come to an end. And so, yeah. um, so surprised everyone and turned in my resignation. Uh, and that was its own kind oh, of sure struggle. Was, I'm sure that was yeah. fun and exciting for everybody involved. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, my, my boss, my supervisor at the time was like, are you kidding me? Like uh, you're like, he, uh, he didn't, he didn't want me to go. Um, yeah. and, uh, um, but I knew it was the right call. Uh, Rebecca, my wife knew it was the right call. So we, we did that. Uh, but so then I got out, I just went, I moved, we moved to Houston, Texas, mm-hmm. relocated. And I took a job working at an oil field company there. Uh, and I was refurbishing offshore oil wells. So they would pull these oil wells that had been subsea for 20 years. They'd send them to Houston mm-hmm. and I would, uh, had a team of engineers. We'd look at them and decide if we could salvage them. If we could, we would. If we couldn't, we told them they had to buy a new one. Yep. Uh, and they didn't like us when we told them we they had to buy a new one. But yeah, it was what it was. Right. So uh, it is what it is. Yeah. So I did that for a few years. Uh, and uh, again, but that uneasy spirit kind of never went away. And, and so my yeah. my thought was when we moved to Houston, I was like, okay, well, my time will be my own. I'll be able to dedicate time to whatever like if i want to get involved in local politics i can do it in mm-hmm. houston if i want to be more involved in my church uh i don't have to worry about deployments anymore i you know i'm, I'm working for a, a you know a small company there in town i can mm-hmm. I, i'm way more flexible so maybe that's maybe yeah. the lord's just telling me i need to be more flexible and uh so we did that for about three years uh so let's see got to houston in 2007 then 2010 um I, that's that feeling just never went away It never mm-hmm. went away. I felt like there was something more the Lord wanted me to do. Uh, my pastor at the time was an incredible man uh, who I still think so highly of his name is Mark Howell. He was our, our pastor at a church in Houston. We were attending there and um, he just had this uncanny ability I, I um, of helping people to uh respond to god i I don't know any other way to say it and uh to hear god and respond to him and uh i don't know that i would be where i am today without the ministry of uh brother mark howell um but anyway um all that to say he just brought up the thought 
you know, planted a seed in my mind, like, Hey, um, have you thought about ministry? And I was like, uh, I mean, I've thought about it, not for me personally. I've thought about it for you and a lot of other people. Sure, but, sure, sure. Uh, Everybody yeah, I mean, else I thought about ministry. Is fine, yeah. but, uh... but uh, yeah. And so he said, well, hey, let's just let's just pray about it. And uh, I tried to fight it. I didn't want to do that. I thought, man, that's going to be really hard. Why would I do that? Um, right. And subject my my family to that. And, you know, it's just it's it's a different it's completely different life. And yeah. um, so uh, but anyway, long story short. Uh, just continued with his mentorship and continued praying. I remember one day I was in my closet and uh, I was reading in, I believe it's uh, Isaiah chapter six, mm-hmm. where um, the prophet Isaiah is, is uh, he's praying and he has a vision uh, yes. with the Lord. And, uh, yes. and he says, uh, uh, woe is me for I am a, a, a man of unclean lips unclean and lips. I live along, I live among a people of unclean lips. Yep. And I, and he says, I am undone. Right. Yeah. And then uh, the angel, uh, cleanses the him, goes the cherubim goes gets, the, gets, gets yeah. the coal, cleanses him, cleanses yep. his mouth, cleanses him with that coal. And, and then, uh, uh, the Lord says, uh, um, who will go for us, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, uh, Isaiah says, here, my Lord send me. And, uh, I remember reading that in the context of all these conversations that we've been having with this pastor, you know, and, and these other struggles I've been having with work now for, uh, let's see, probably my, my first thought probably happened in like 2006. Mm-hmm. And here we are five years later, 2011. And I read those, uh, those words in the context of all of that, that's going on. And I just, I just have a moment. I just, I, I know I have, you know, I'm, I'm crying, I'm weeping before the Lord. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I'm like, okay, Lord, you, you got it. What, yeah. what, what do we need to do at this point? And uh, so, so that started the journey. That's how we, you know, we quit, quit our job. I quit my job there. Um, and then went to seminary in, uh, in Fort Worth, uh, Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary there, got my master's degree, just started serving in local churches in the Fort Worth area. And mm-hmm. then, uh, was approached by one of the brothers, Joey White from Stonewater that we talked about earlier, starting yep. a church. And, uh, he invited me to come help him with a campus they were planting in, uh, Weatherford. And so that's oh, how, yeah. that's how I came to the church. Uh, I, I, I knew Joey from other connections. We, we, we had sure. met through those connections. So that's how I got connected to that church, but yep. Yep. So here we are. So here we are. So that is a, wow, that is a, that is a, that is a 20 year journey in, in 15 minutes. So that's pretty good. Um, <laughs> no, no, that's, no, that's that. And that provides, you know, that provides context. I mean, mm-hmm. so you did two tours in, um, in Iraq, I presume 2001 to like 2003, probably. Yeah. So the, well, the first one actually, uh, so I was supposed to go to Iraq when it first kicked off, uh, our division stood down. We were, we were all ready to go. Then they stood us down. So that we, we didn't go. Uh, so the first cavalry division was, uh, I mean, honestly (laughs) in the military world, uh, it's kind of like a slap in the face. If other people get to go play and you don't, don't. I remember like, I mean, it kind of hurt our pride a little bit that, uh, some of these lesser divisions, right. Cause sure. everybody's not as good as everybody's you are, right. Not as good as and, you are. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, but we got stood up. So we, we didn't actually go. So what happened was I got, I, I was stop lost, right. When, mm-hmm. when, when the Iraq war started, yep. uh, and then once it became clear, we were not going to go, then they, they, re- they move, remove the stop loss. They sent all the eligible officers, captains at this point, I was a captain, sent us to the mm-hmm. captain's career course. And then we ended up at Fort Hood. I'm sorry, uh, from Fort Hood, I went to um, 
Fort Bragg, North Carolina. Oh yeah. And then when I was at Fort Bragg in 2005, that was when my, that was my first tour was out of, out of Fort Bragg and then came back for about six months and then went back in 2006. Okay. All right. So, yeah. Um, So you were there just before the, um, just before the surge and Ramadi. Yes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. All of that nonsense that like, yeah. Jocko and Tim, Ken- Jocko Willick and Tim Kennedy, all were all involved in, and all those boys. Mm-hmm. The, yes, they all talk about all of that. Okay, um, and yeah, a good buddy of mine was in Afghanistan in two thousand and one, um, mm. and did two tours. And then another buddy of mine went to Iraq twice and went to Afghanistan yeah. once. Mm-hmm. So you know, and we're all if you're in if you're in between the ages of like forty two mm-hmm. and like fifty seven. And you were in the military. You yeah. <laughs> you, went, you went to go play in the same. You went to go That's play right. tag with people in the desert. That's right. Of, That's right. Somebody else put it. <laughs> so yeah. He's a, he's a combat vet as well. Um, which is interesting in light of everything that's happening geopolitically. And I'm not going to go too not go down this road at all. Just going to point it as an interesting thing. It's interesting to see that in light of everything that's happening geopolitically with the Russians in the Ukraine right now, where the last battalion commander they had that was worth any good was in Chechnya 30 years ago. Yeah. And you know say what you want and i've said this before in other podcasts and other contexts and to other people but it's true one of the silver linings out of the dark cloud of the last 20 years of war making that we have been engaged in is we actually have people like yourself who actually understand mm-hmm. what it means to have a bullet as it past their head yeah and kind yeah. of command people in that role and that is very yeah. it's hard one valuable experience that you only get mm-hmm. in a place like iraq or afghanistan so I'm going to say the typical thing. Thank you for your service. Uh, hey. uh, and we're thanks. Gonna, well, you know. Thanks for paying your taxes. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And now we can move on. All right. It's greatness. It's greatness. Um, okay. So a lot of things there. Um, you mentioned, the, you know, the watershed moments. You mentioned mm-hmm. the getting connected with Christ. And many people who, again, I have people who of all persuasions that listen to this podcast. They're kind of all over the map, right? Um, And so when people think about a walk towards Christ, they very much think about, hey, you're born into it. Hey, this is set for you. Or or something traumatic has to happen to you. And then like you go to prison or you're on drugs or something like that. And then or or abuse happens to you or some sort of trauma. And then you make this turn from the secular world to this other thing called Christ. Mm -hmm. Um. That doesn't match up with anything biblically, but it is mm-hmm. what people think. Right. Um, yeah. And are there people in within the Bible who had their minds changed because of trauma and because of things that happened to them? Absolutely, for sure. Of course, yeah. yeah. Um, but fundamentally, and this is now a theological question, now we're going to get into mm-hmm. theology a little bit okay. here. Yep. Um, fundamentally, the theology of belief. Let's start mm-hmm. with that. How do people in general, in your experience, um, come to belief? And I'm sure you've seen multiple paths, so it's probably hard to distill it down into kind of one idea, but um, actually I'll make it a simpler question than that. When people come to belief, how do you as a, as a pastor in your role undo or help them undo um, along with the Bible uh, inappropriate or just not biblical, unbiblical, I'll use that word, unbiblical ideology, unbiblical theology in which might be mm-hmm. ideology but mm-hmm. unbiblical theology in their brain how do you help them walk through that because you've got to be dealing with that all the time yeah so um yeah so when when people uh come to christ so so the um 
the the Bible helps us again, and I, and I can't. I'm just going to speak to the Bible. Yeah, okay? speak to and the Bible. I, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so the so God's word uh, says that uh, uh, apart from Christ, uh, we can do nothing. Uh, mm-hmm. We can't know anything really apart from Him. Like He, uh, Jesus makes some very uh, important claims about Himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, he claims in John 14:6 to be the way, the truth, and the life. Mm-hmm. No man comes to the Father except through me, mm-hmm. and so, uh, so, so Jesus, because he makes these very um, specific claims about himself, we can't allow, uh, we can't reduce him to a good person. We can't reduce him to just a, a wise sage or a prophet. Like, like he claimed to be the Son of God, and so, um, so because of that, um, we we can't even know him apart from his help. By the way, that is a massive truth claim that I want to just, before you go for much further, I want to stick on that for just a second, because I believe fundamentally uh, that that massive truth claim is fundamentally what separates Christians from everybody else. It also creates massive responsibility on a Christian Mm -hmm. to follow Jesus and to follow that Mm -hmm. path. We opened up talking about suffering. Suffering is part of that. It also creates, as Paul would say, a stumbling block for the Greeks, mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. uh, and uh, and uh, and and blindness for the Jews. And yep. so there are other people of the book floating around, of mm-hmm. other books floating around yep. in the world, for whom that massive truth claim. Mm-hmm. And I'm not thinking about the atheists or the secular agnostics or any of those folks now. Yeah. Forget them for just a second; they're over there. Mm-hmm. For the other people of the quote unquote book, the other big two, Islam yep. and Judaism. Yeah. It creates a stumbling block. That truth claim, they just get, they can't get past. Right, and that makes Christianity, in my opinion, the most revolutionary religious set of religious beliefs on the planet. Period. Full stop. Yeah, absolutely. That's right. So, um, religion is uh, is man's attempt to get to God. Mm-hmm. Okay, whatever that is. So, and that could take any form. I mean. It, for Buddhism, it's the the eightfold path. For Islam, right. it's the five pillars of Islam. Like, uh, for uh, uh, any any religion, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. Um, yeah, the Tao. And, if you, the Tao yeah, well, and the, even what's yeah, interesting, Hinduism, I don't know yeah. if you've read uh, any of Joseph Bottom's work. Joseph Bottom's a, is a is a Catholic thinker, but but he even talks about the uh, the religious nature of secular. Um, ideologies and so he he says uh he says even like uh, racism or environmentalism or uh socialism like pick your ism mm-hmm. e- each one of those has a religious form in other words there's an original sin mm-hmm. there's a way of atonement mm-hmm. there's a way of sanctification and there's an eschatology there's a way that the world is going to end uh and even possibly a timeline right uh uh, for that 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 world destruction, if we don't if we don't go the way of atonement and and the way of justification according to that ism, right? Well, yeah, because those isms are seeking to address something that that right. hard materialistic scientific Nietzschean thinking, which is infects the West, yep. cannot address. Right. It, right. it, it yeah. serves to address all of those things that exist outside of the idea of how biology works or outside right. of the concepts of how your iPhone works. There's a whole bunch of things that are outside of that, mm-hmm. that hard scientificism 
hard scientism, which we are all enraptured to now. It's the new form of, ide- of, of idolism, but we'll leave that aside for just idolatry. We'll leave that aside for just a second. There's all kinds of things outside of that that cannot be addressed. Yeah. And so we've got to put those isms because, of course, we've created a vacuum yeah. by removing yeah. God from, well, we, well, <laughs> by removing yeah. God from the public square. But anyway, go ahead. So you've got, you, you have this, uh, you have this mass, like you, like you said, a massive truth claim. So Jesus yeah. is saying, so you have to deal with Jesus at some point. You have at to, you have to wrestle with who God claims to be. And so, so that's the starting presupposition. Either mm-hmm. Christ is who he says he is. And then we move forward from there or Christ is not. And then you can go any of these other ways. They're all basically the same. I mean, different, they're uh, maybe, uh, uh, yeah, I'm not different paths, but they get to the same place. Okay. Yeah. It. So it might um, be the same clearing at the end of the path. Yes, yes, yes. So, um, so when, when, so you, and you don't have to have it all figured out. Like you, you, in order to come to Christ, like, uh, there's a, another misconception that I think a lot of folks have um, that I talk to from time to time. And they say, uh, well, I'll come, I'll, I'll come to Christianity. I'll come to church or I'll come to Christ when I get my life in order. When I, when I stop doing such and such behavior that they perceive in their mind is unchristian or something. And they, so, uh, and so what, what I say to those brothers and sisters is I say, uh, I say, Hey, you don't, you don't come to Christ when you get your your problem solved. You come to Christ, and it's in that relationship with Christ that your problems are solved. So think about um, oh goodness, I believe it's Luke. Um, is it Luke fourteen? I can't remember the exactly where the the parable is, but it's uh um. Oh, I've got a copy of the book not, right not, here. Not the parable, but uh, the story about Jesus and the lepers, that Jesus yes. heals the 10 lepers. Ah, right? uh, yes. And so he says, go and show yourselves to the priests. Correct. Right? Well, so those lepers are in a, they're in a leper colony. They're all by themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and they're bold enough. They see Christ. They know, they know the claims that he's making and they mm-hmm. hear what people are saying about him. And they're both, and they just boldly reach out to him and say, um, Jesus have mercy on us, heal us. Right. Mm-hmm. And Jesus says, go and show yourselves to the priest. Now you don't go and show yourself to the priest until you're healed. Right. Uh, and they are not healed. Right. Okay. But the, the Bible records that as they're going on their way, they were healed. Right. In other words, the, the journey, the healing occurred in the journey, like in the process of, of, of obeying God, obeying Christ. Right. And at some point they look down on their journey and they're like, Oh my gosh, we're healed. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and then one of them, of course, the Bible records one of them, only one of them, Mm -hmm. a Samaritan, no less turns around and comes back and comes back and, and thanks God. Thanks. You know, gratitude loves, demonstrates love for Jesus. And so, um, and but but I think him, there's some... the other ten. They must yeah yeah the other, nine, yeah. <laughs> the other nine yeah. The other nine yeah. I think the, uh, the but there's some truth in that right. So so Jesus says in John fourteen twenty one he says whoever has my commands and obeys them, mm-hmm. he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. So so that that when we obey God, when we follow Him, when we uh, uh, carry out. Uh, the, the commands in this book here, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, when we live that, um, there's 
there's intimacy with God and it's in intimacy with God that our broken places are healed, that our, uh, our hearts are renewed, our minds are transformed into the likeness of Christ. And so, um, so I would say that, that, that faith, you don't have to come to God with all the faith in the world. Like you just need a little bit of faith. Like just mm-hmm. a Bible, Bible records a mustard seed, a, a mustard seed, right? Which is this tiny little oh, it's very small piece of organic material, right? <laughs> a mustard <laughs> seed, right? Here you go, and, and that, that's all. That's all that's required, right? You come to Him with a little bit of faith and trust, and then you you walk with Christ. You walk that out, and so um, yeah, there's there's a, a a lot of misconceptions about that, and it, but but it's I would say it's common. It's common to to think that it's common to uh, think that God can't help you. You're too far gone or whatever. And that's just simply not the case. I am a big fan of the book of John. Um, Book of John doesn't get quoted from a lot or it gets contextualized in other books. And, Mm -hmm. and it's interesting, you know, all the, all of the new Testament writers, if you actually go and read the new Testament um, and you actually, you know, read it, uh, if you can get it, you know, in the original Greek, um, or yep. even if you have a um, a concordance where you can go and look up words. I'm that guy. I got to go look yep. up words because I got to know the meaning of the, yep. the, the, yep. the, the thing Absolutely. that's working like 12 levels down, right? And 12 levels up because I'm just, I'm that person. Okay. Um, the book of John. Uh, I was actually thinking about this yesterday in light of a different kind of book. Um, but, um, John nine, you know where mm-hmm. where Jesus kills cures the uh, the blind man one through forty one, yes. where Jesus yes. cures the blind man, right? Yes, and uh, this is kind of what happens with with new believers, right? Mm-hmm. So Jesus cures the blind man. Um, his disciples ask him a great question at the beginning of John nine. You know, um, was this man born blind, uh, or not? Was this man born blind? But did this man this is man's sin, or did this man's parents sin? And Jesus says neither one of them sinned, which is kind of a slap to the disciples because yeah. you know he's basically telling them you don't understand how sin actually works. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. Let me educate you. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, and says to them, he was born in this way. So that the glory of God can basically be shown in the world through, <laughs> through my healing, which is an, again, an incredible truth statement yes. to, to, to make. Man. And, and it operates at a psychological, emotional, sociological, religious, cultural, it operates at physical, it operates at so many different levels right yes. there. Yeah. Um, yeah heals the man for those of you who haven't read it go read john 9 1 through mm-hmm. 1 through 41 um but anyway uh he heals the man um and i won't say go into how he heals him just go read it he heals him basically heals him of his blindness and the man goes back to the synagogue he goes back to the religious structure and this for yep. me is the most striking thing because mm-hmm. he goes back to the religious structure and the the jewish religious structure then proceeds to condemn him because of his healing, mm-hmm. <laughs> because of the fact that he right. was healed. Right. Um, and even his parents abandon him. They say he can speak for himself. He's of age. He can defend mm-hmm. himself because they were afraid of being kicked out of the religious structure because the cultural structure was the thing that they had. And of course, they ask the blind man, the religious structure does, they ask the blind man or the rabbis, ask the blind man, um, you know, uh, or formerly blind man, um, is this man who just healed you basically a sinner going back to this idea of sin again, which again, I think is, is compounding and the blind man or the formerly blind man says, uh, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. All I know is this is great. All I know is once I was blind, but now I see. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Now, I kind of got turned on to this story, not necessarily through reading the Bible. I got turned on to this story through Martin Scorsese's Raging Bull, where he opens up with that, <laughs> with uh, with uh, Robert De Niro as the boxer Jake LaMotta doing his footwork, and he kind of puts the Book of John over that, and then of course that sends the template for the rest of the rest of Jake LaMotta's nonsense in that movie. And if you haven't seen it, it's okay, it's fine. Martin Scorsese is deeply Catholic. Um, and deeply Italian, which kind of go all those things kind of go along mm-hmm. together. Yeah, yeah. And it is this idea, and again, it's operating at multiple levels, right? This idea of suffering, this idea of um, of being born into something that you did not control, the world, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And then Jesus comes along and redeems you, heals you, and then here's what happens: because you've now gone against the world and you have gotten healed and you've gotten yourself in order, you've gotten yourself aligned with the highest ideal, mm-hmm. now these corrupt structures are going to judge you. Mm-hmm. When new believers come to the faith, mm-hmm. what is the number one struggle that they have once they've been baptized and they've said the words and they've had the, as you, I love the term you used before, watershed moment, mm-hmm. what's the number one struggle they have after that? Yeah, I. Um, In your experience. Yeah, that's a good that's a good question. Um, generally, uh, de- again, depending on depending on the context, uh, it can go one of one of two ways. I I would say uh, if they struggle, some people enter in a into an enter into a period of rapid growth. Okay, mm-hmm. so think of like a like a seed that comes up out of the ground and it's just, man, that thing is hungry and it just wants to eat all the time. Right. I mean, it's just like hungry, 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 like a, a newborn baby or, or like a, a, a small animal, right. That thing is wants to eat its insatiable appetite. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so there's, there, there is that, right. And, And sometimes it's just hard to get the right food. Um, there's, there's so much content out there. Some of it is not good at all. Some of it is poison. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think, I think that's one, one struggle, one danger. Uh, uh, another is, uh, depending on the, the, you know, if you're in a, if, if you're in a home uh, or in a, some sort of environment where you're surrounded by people who are uh, opposed to that worldview, that understanding of, of reality, the Christian understanding of reality. Uh, you're going to get a lot of pushback and that can be discouraging for some people. Like if, uh, and uh, um, yeah, like it, it can cause you to, to, did I really, did I make the right decision? Did I understand this correctly? And it, it just, it raises doubts in your mind. And, um, and again, that's, there's nothing wrong uh, with, with doubts. Um, but the question is, what do we do with our doubts? What do right. we, where do we go to uh, to address doubt? Same thing with fear. Fear is not a bad thing. It's what do I do with my fear? Same thing with anger. All these emotions that we feel, emotions are, uh, they're kind of like our kids, okay? Mm-hmm. Like we're glad they're here. Mm-hmm. They're helpful. They can tell us some things. They can tell us when things are wrong, but they don't make major decisions for us. Right. They don't... Uh, they don't tell us where to go or what to do. And when they do that, when we put our emotions in that position to do that, uh, that's when we end up in the ditch. That's when mm-hmm. we do things that we're like, ah, oh, wish I could have that back. Um, yeah. So, 
so I, I would say, uh, I would say those are kind of the two, the two major things. I mean, uh, things, get yeah. it, uh, consuming things that are, that are not helpful end up being actually maybe even destructive potentially. And then, uh, discouragement, uh, people trying to come in and sow doubts into what you, the decisions you've just made, the yeah. connections you've just made. Yeah. 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 And trying to throw you out of the, trying to yeah. throw you out of the superstructure because they don't yeah. understand your worldview anymore. Yeah. Yep. Um, and the, and the first one I would reference, or I would think of, um, the parable that Jesus told about, uh, you know, um, some seed falling on rocky ground, mm. some seed being eaten up and then very few seeds wind up being, wind up being planted. Uh, the Christian walk has always been one that is a narrow road, um, mm-hmm. no matter what time in history and no matter what country in history, yeah. it's always been a narrow road. Christians have always really been the minority. And I think one of the things that American Christians in particular are struggling with right now is the transition mm-hmm. of this culture from being one that was, how can I frame this? It was multi-ethnic, multiracial. It is multi-ethnic, multiracial, but with a nominal nod to Christianity. Yeah. Transitioning to, quite frankly, and you and I have talked about this offline in other kinds of conversations, but I'm going to mention it now publicly because I think, what the heck, why not? Wandering into, not wandering into, firmly encased in a pagan culture and has almost completely shed the skin of Christianity. Yeah. Um, that's really tough for American Christians to hear, particularly American Christians of a particular age and social status. Um, where their Christianity has been the skin that has allowed them to get social status or has been nodded to, or maybe it wasn't even something they necessarily Mm -hmm. had to think too hard about. I think over the next 20 to 30 years in this country, those are probably going to be the most, these are probably going to be the most most critical next 20 or 30 years in culture. Um, And Doug Wilson has been talking about this, um, Mm -hmm. particularly in America, because we can either be a shining city on a hill with gates all around, <laughs> both geographic and otherwise, yep. or we can just be one more global country in a, in a, in a bundle of pagan global countries. Um, and I do believe that there are certain folks that would really like that because it works for them. And I believe that yep. there are not enough other folks who are thinking about this, um, even remotely contextually. And then I think there are people who are going to be confused by what I just said. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, when we think about the underpinnings of American Christianity, mm-hmm. if if I'm starting out, um, what are some good places for me to start, right? You mentioned Jonathan Edwards. Yeah. I, I, I doubt many people know who Jonathan Edwards is. Yeah. Um, I like Matthew Henry in particular, but that's another thing over there. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're talking like you know really old. I'm talking really old school guys. Anyway, yeah. Um, I've also become a big fan of R.C. Sproul. Yeah. Um, from back in the day, Doug Wilson. I just mentioned his name. Um, who are maybe some people if I'm a young Christian, if I'm just starting mm-hmm. out on this game, or if I have been on this game for a while and I think I know everything, but I need to get my need to get my stuff stringed out. Who are some good theologians to look at? Yeah. So, uh, what's remarkable about what you just said is, uh, there's, uh, there's almost an earthquake going on in Christianity at the moment. Mm -hmm. And so there are some names that probably five years I would have recommended to you that I wouldn't recommend to you right now. 
oh yeah, things are getting restructured left and right. Yeah, and so so I I believe that there's a sifting. I mean, I mm-hmm. think you can just look at our our culture in general, and I don't believe you have to be a, a Christian or or a, a religious person by nature and just say there's there's a sifting taking place in our nation. There's mm-hmm. things are being separated out, uh, and uh, it's it's not getting more integrated. It's getting more more separated. <laughs> and, oh yeah, and, more know, fractured. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and in so many ways. And so, but what's happening in that that sifting process is um, uh, areas where there were no disagreement, like those disagreements are now being brought to the fore, brought to the mm-hmm. surface now. Um, and by the and, way, and I, I just, I'll go fin- back to, go yeah, ahead. Finish your sentence. We're yeah. all, con- I want to contextualize this. We're contextualizing this in the light of, well, we're talking about this, not just in the context of the broad context of American Christianity being sifted. Yeah. We're also talking about this in May of 2022, when the Southern Baptist Convention is getting sifted. Oh yeah, and Russell Moore and oh man, and and Albert yeah. Moeller are having their moments of truth right now. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I'm sorry, I, I interrupted your sentence. Go no, ahead. you're good. You're good. Uh, that's that's great context. And so, uh, but before I move on, like I want to go back and just kind of give like a little bit of I want to throw in a nugget of hope. Uh, yeah, yeah. To anybody who may be listening here. <laughs> so what what's interesting about um sort of this post-Christian uh, uh, world that we may be living in or entering into is uh, it's they're not just burning down Christianity. I mean, they really are talking about burning down society, like burn it all down, right? Oh, yeah. The, the, the thing about that, uh, and, and in many ways, they have uh, uh, secularism has burned down the house already. Um, and uh, like, we can't even, def- let me give you some examples. We can't even define what a woman is anymore. Uh, and in fact, uh, men, uh, men are now winning woman of the year, right? I mean, you've got, you've got <laughs> all of the these. Babylon B anyway, yeah. but you know, then that leads to Twitter uh, takeovers by Elon Musk. <laughs> right. Well, and, and so, but, but you have these kind of the, uh, the, the center yeah. that, that held everything together has crumbled. Okay. W.B. Yates, the second coming, the center cannot hold. Yeah. But I mean, but you know what? Joan Didion was saying that back in like the 1960s. Like yeah. she was she was warning yeah. that there was some weirdness coming out of California yeah. that people needed to pay attention to. But the center right. held for a long time. That's what yeah. Didion didn't understand. Yeah. It was fraying at the edges. Yes. But now the rot is like yeah. all yeah. the way down to your local meth problem in your white collar, or not yes. in white collar, in your blue collar white people community in yes. rural America. Yes. That's the center. That yes. held for years years yes that's now broken apart yeah, yeah so so the the good thing about this is that oh, this gets to my my, my uh, yeah. moment of my nugget of encouragement, nugget of encouragement. Uh, is it, it in in the ruins like we have the opportunity to rebuild something now and yeah. instead of having it based on some form of nostalgia because i think a lot of people right they think about the way things used to be. Oh, if we could go back to the way things were in the 1800s, man, that was a great time to be alive or, or in the Victorian age or in the, you know, pick your time, right. That you reflect on and go, that's what it should be like. Right. Um, Like those, those eras had their problems, significant challenges and problems. Particularly if you look like me, like, I don't want to go back to the 1950s. Yeah. You know, zero interest in any of that or or any, any, any period of time in in human history. No, nobody. uh, So uh, uh, we, we have the luxury of uh, being able to uh, look back 
on history and it, we, at, at any given moment, and we can stand in judgment of what they did wrong, but we're so blind to the things that we're getting wrong, right? Yeah. And we think we know, and we, we're we just as lost as a goose as they are, okay? And so um, so anyway, all that to say, like, man, what, what a great opportunity uh, to to live like let's let's build let's build christian faith let's build a denomination that's uh that that doesn't make the mistakes of the past understand like we're 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 humble enough to understand that that uh we we may make mistakes we will make mistakes mm-hmm. by god's grace uh we won't um and uh and we won't take any credit for that uh because we can't take any credit for for god's righteousness but uh, anyway all that to say um what was your what was your what was your question? Yeah, yeah. I gave you a negative truth. Or you negative, gave me negative truth. Yeah, no. Yeah. No. Um no, I'm glad you gave me the negative truth. <laughs> Sorry. <clears throat> gave us the nugget of truth because sometimes these conversations between Christians can get to be a real downer, right? Yeah. Um yeah. and you're right, you know, uh and it's not just Christians, it's also secularists as well. Um, right. are hidebound, the, the the conservative commentator Eric Erickson, who infamously came up with the idea of you will be made to care, uh, which I, I think has been proven out to be true, um, has said or, or wrote, a, wrote a blog post years ago for when he formally wrote for Red State when that thing was still going. Mm-hmm. And basically he made this point, which I think is an incredibly trenchant observation. Mm-hmm. He said both political progressives and political conservatives are hidebound to the 1950s. Mm-hmm. Political conservatives are hidebound to the 1950s because men were men, women were women, minorities, you know, weren't yelling too loudly, and the, the culture seemed to be more cohesive, right? Mm-hmm. Christianity mm-hmm. seemed to be the tie that bound. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Dwight Eisenhower or Harry Truman might have said the N-word, but no, mm-hmm. nobody in the media was reporting it, right? Right, 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 right. And progressives are hidebound to the 1950s because... There was a 39% top tax rate. There mm-hmm. were no, from their perspective, no billionaires. As a matter of fact, Eleanor Roosevelt said there would be no wartime billionaires during World War II, and that held true pretty much all the way through Eisenhower. Um, and, and Kennedy was the first one that came along and was like, oh, 39% top tar- corporate tax rate? Get out of town. And he yeah. reduced it to 34%. Yeah. And then the next person to yeah. reduce it down even further than that was Ronald Reagan. And then the next yeah. person to reduce it down after that was Donald Trump. Yeah. So, okay, yeah. there you go. Um, <laughs> you know, um, but progressives are hidebound to that vision of the 1950s yes. of the corporations and the rich, the evil rich, quote unquote, paying their fair share. Yes. And the point he was yes. making in this was that we can't go back to the 1950s. That's we right. have to move forward from a different vision. That's right. Now, he's part of the Presbyterian. Uh, he's part of the presbyters over there. So the Presbyterians yeah. have their own problems. Yeah. Yes. Just like the Episcopalians are the Southern Baptists. Everybody's having yes. their own problems. Yes. And I think what he missed in that analysis was this idea that you have come to of sifting. Mm. And so the question that I had, or the, the, to reiterate the question, the first part of it, because you answered the second part of it by giving us hope, but in looking for that hope, who do we, who do you recommend we read? Who do you recommend we look at that maybe yeah. you wouldn't have recommended five years ago? Yeah, so uh, so I would say um, uh, Doug Wilson is uh, is somebody that I've I've uh, listened to some. Now Doug uh, gets I will say this: Doug kind of has a a reputation for being a provocateur. Okay, he's a bomb uh, thrower. Yeah. Now I I will say this: uh, Doug has I think a kind of a 
a different role to play, if you will, in in uh, this this discussion. So, uh, Doug is, uh, and I and I, I love Doug. I think he says a lot of great things, and uh, uh, and I don't for a second doubt his motives at all. Uh, and I think and at I the think end in the judgment era, he'll be there right along with um, yes, what's his yeah, name, I really do. I think him and David French will both be there. They'll both be shocked to see that they both yeah. made it. <laughs> yes, yes, I believe that's true. Uh, and but but much one to thing both that, of their chagrin. <laughs> yes, yes. There's no love lost there, by the way, at all. <laughs> no, but the, uh, but the thing is, like, Jesus is gonna be like, you gotta, well, you gotta hug, because yeah. we gotta, yeah. we gotta deal with this other problem over here. Yeah. So, so I, I feel like that what the one thing that Doug brings to the table is a, a very sober analysis of what we're really up against right. in, uh, okay. in in terms of who the enemy is. And and what the cultural arguments are that are being made, mm-hmm. and how to move move the the needle back in the other direction. Because uh, okay. you know this, the secular progressives again have, uh, I mean they've destroyed the the institutions. I mean we family has uh, been redefined. Family the the, de- the current definition we can't even define a family. <laughs> I mean mm-hmm. uh, when uh, we we can't define marriage has been completely redefined from what scripture says it is um genders have been completely redefined every everything every place you could possibly introduce confusion confusion has been introduced oh right? between men and women even i mean yeah one of the arcs that we've been on in the last few episodes of this podcast is looking at fatherhood yeah yeah and yep. you know I mean, you know, yeah. we're we are now two days in Texas away from, or no, not even two days. We're a day after, you know, in the school shooting down in San Antonio yeah. and the school shooter. Yeah. Uh, and let me go on record: the school shooter was wrong. Let me go on record in saying that. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, that seems yes. to be clear. Uh, yeah, um, he was satanic. I'm going to go a step yeah. further in yeah. his motives. Um, Evil evil right yeah. i'm going to use that we word. can, we can use that moral category here yeah demonic i'll yeah. use that word yeah. too yes. right um and the the secular progressives seem to have no answer to solve the problem of the pathologies that their fully yeah. realized policies at a political social and cultural level have created they have no answer yeah. for it which is yeah. why you know well anyway it's it's the reason why they're doing a number of other things in a number of different mm-hmm. because they have no answer yeah. um and the thing that stands out, just like every other school shooter going back to Paducah, Kentucky in mm-hmm. the 1990s, which most people forget about, every school shooter, even the Columbine boys, every school shooter, either zero or nominal presence of a grown man in the household yeah, being a father. I don't mean yeah. a grown man hanging around and abusing people, and, and I'm not, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a man who is being a dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And you can argue with me all day if you want. It doesn't matter. You can go back and look at the history. Just look at the yeah. record. The record stands as it is. And that's yeah. a, that's pathology that no one wants to address Yeah. because then you might have to address feminism directly or some other things that are happening in society that have happened in society and culture. But yeah. anyway, you're right. So, the, so he's addressing, Wilson yeah. is addressing sort of where those fracture lines are and, right. and how far we, how, where our mindset yeah. has to be in order to get there. Okay. Yeah, and so uh, and another it. reason I bring up that his provocateur role is because uh, I, I I feel like it overshadows a lot of other things that he's mm-hmm. added to the conversation that are not provocative at all. They're actually 
very helpful. So I read, I read, I read a book of his recently called productivity. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, uh, uh, it's about, it's a book about productivity, but it's, uh, his, his title is saying, you know, sometimes we get caught up in, uh, well, I haven't conquered the world yet. So I'm a right. failure, right? I didn't, I didn't get anything. And what his point is like, you, you plot along, just, you take the next step, you take the, what's the next step. That's how, you, and then over, after taking the next step, the next step, the next step, you look back and in 10 years, you're like, man, I got all this done. Like all this, all these things have been accomplished. And, uh, uh, anyway, he, uh, he makes a point in there that I thought was really poignant and it actually kind of overlaps with what, uh, the sort of the gun control debate that's been reignited, Yeah. but, uh, he's talking about productivity and he talks about media mm-hmm. and he says, you know, in our culture, we talk about media as if it's movies, uh, social media and, uh, podcasts okay mm-hmm. but he said media is actually anything that is used to communicate anything yes. so air molecules that vibrate over my vocal cords those that's a form of media my face is a form of media a carrier pigeon is a form of media right like like media mm. is anything and so so what mm. what we've done and media helps us be more productive Okay, is how is media is the means through which we are productive, and so so what happens is we we have all this technology and all these advances and here comes all of these new forms of communication, all of these new ways to be productive, and yet our hearts are so perverse. Like we'll take that media and we'll find a way to pervert it, and then in our in our way of trying to deal with that 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 perversion that we see we will take that social media and i've done this and and this is what got me uh, i i'll say i i can't handle my social media so i'm just going to go and put it on the shelf i'm going to delete the app right and so well what have i done i and rather than addressing the 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 perversion of my own heart my own heart's tendencies to pervert the media I'll just take the media and treat the media as if the problem and I'll, and in it, and what I'm doing is I'm limiting my own productivity by, by not addressing my own sinfulness, my own brokenness with regards to the media itself. Uh, I don't make any progress. I actually move, I actually take a step back at my own productivity. And it's the same thing with gun laws, right? The gun is the, the weapon is an inanimate object. It just, it's a thing. It's the human heart that takes that weapon, uh, a gun in this case, a knife, a car, a whatever, it's that thing, it's that human heart that perverts that utility, that weapon, and causes destruction with it. And so our tendency then is to say, you know what, let's take away that. Let's not deal with the real human heart issue. Let's resolve the sin. Let's resolve the brokenness. And so like, I, I mean, I, I tell you what, I read that book and I was like, Lord, I need, I need help. Like, I need your help with social media, because I know you're calling me to be productive. I know you're calling me to accomplish things in my life, but, uh, but Lord, I, I need help dealing with, with my own heart and on this issue. So anyway, that's amazing. And I'm going to have to think about that because <clears throat> I put the, I put the social media on the shelf for sure. Absolutely. For yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I put, I mean, I spent eight years in Twitter Yeah, and I didn't, I didn't, it didn't change a darn thing. Yeah. 
I changed, but yeah. Twitter didn't change. Twitter, right. well, I won't say Twitter didn't change. Twitter got worse. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Twitter right, got right, worse right. in eight years right. for sure. Right. And 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 I liked well. And I think the other dynamic is, and I don't know if Doug talks about this in his book at all. Um, I may have to pick that up. Plot activity. That's actually a pretty good title. Um, I admire that. Um, the manipulation of the algorithms in the in the back end to mm-hmm. basically yep. get you to do things. That's, yeah. that's, but that's still technology. Yeah. But the people fall in love with a certain form of media. Yeah. And it becomes an idol, right? Mm-hmm. And so, that's right. Yep. so for me, Twitter was, it, I wouldn't necessarily say it was an idol, but it was, it was too much. And so at a certain point I was like, you know what? The idol has to go away. Yeah, sure. Sure. <laughs> so I can deal with my heart. Yeah. Um, now, occasionally, back and forth, will I dip back in there? Sure. Um, but for me, the transition was taking these these idols, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever, yep. uh, LinkedIn, and recognizing the moment when it switches over from being a tool to being an idol. Because there's mm. a moment where it, where, where, it, where it clicks over. Yep. Even this even yep. happens with email, where it clicks over to that thing. And when you recognize that moment, backing away from it and, mm. you know, having God help you. And, that, and, that, and for me, that's the calling of the Holy Spirit. Like the whole, you have to yeah. be in tune with the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit will warn you when that's a thing that's going to be Yeah, a thing. that's right. Um, I like that idea. I'm going to, I like that yeah. idea. Okay, so Doug Wilson, we'll look at Doug. Yeah, Doug's um, good. Um, I, uh, no, good. Another one, uh, uh, I like a guy named uh, Heath Lambert. So I, I deal in, uh, he, Heath Lambert was the, uh, president of the association of certified biblical counselors and he's written a a lot of good things on uh, uh, understanding human nature understanding what it means to follow god in a practical sense like he's really good at um putting helping the rubber meet the road so to speak in terms of like pastorally uh walking it out walking out your faith and in okay. in in many contexts, right? So, um, whether it's uh, like sexual sin, or um, yeah, yeah, any sin, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and so, so Heath is somebody that's been really good. Um, I'm trying to think of another guy that has been really helpful. Uh, I, I actually read a lot of different books. Um, yeah. So I would say uh, Joseph Bottom has been helpful. Um, Ken Ken Sandy, peacemaker oh, has, yeah, has been help, has been helpful. Um, I'm just looking over here at my. Yeah, uh, we studied. Uh, I studied Ken Sandy in my conflict management practice. Yeah. When I went to went through grad school with him. Okay. Well, not with him, but I mean, like with the book. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like if you're just looking theology, I think uh, A. W. Tozer is always going to be a good. Yeah. It's always going to be a good. Uh, Kind of, and he's more modern. Yeah. Uh, of course, C.S. Lewis, uh, Lewis and Tozer, I think were contemporaries. Um, I think Tozer was a little bit younger than uh, C.S. Lewis, but uh, uh, I would say that's. Uh, oh, uh, I would say Nancy Piercy. Anything mm-hmm. by Nancy Piercy is going to be really good. I wrote a book called Told Truth. Really okay. good to helping you understand um, what's happening in today's world. Mm-hmm. kind of a again a biblical worldview kind of thing uh that's that's good that's, that's pretty good, good i think yeah, i think that good. should get us going 
Yeah. No. I, and what I'll do is I'll uh, I'll put links to all those books in the um, in the player below the show notes, so you can go mm-hmm. find them in the podcast. Yeah. If you Heath Lambert wrote uh, a book, Finally Free. He called. Uh, you know, you can look at Heath. Everything Heath Lambert has written is pretty good, in my personal opinion. Awesome. Okay. Um, let's talk a little bit about because we have a few more minutes um, yeah. together. Um, let's 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 we've talked about a lot of interesting things here so far on the podcast and uh, again i want to thank you for coming on and and giving us your time um and your perspective um and i would love to do this again because we could talk for like five hours there's like unwinding there's things like unwinding that unwind in my head yeah (laughs) yeah um because one thing touches on another thing touches on another thing Mm -hmm. Um, politics being downstream from culture and culture being downstream Uh, from belief yeah yeah just 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 sort of we could pull that that, and that so if i can get back to it so that's one of the reasons why i felt like uh because when i i realized in my journey into ministry uh I thought, you know what, I can get involved in politics. And then I was real, I was like, well, politics isn't where the problem is. It's the culture. And then I realized there's all these culture wars going on. And then I was like, you know what, it really is about belief. It's about faith. It's about religion. And so all culture wars stem from misplaced religion, Mm -hmm. right? It's, it's a, it's the worship of something other than God leads to the the pathologies of culture that that manifest themselves in culture um and then which then turn around and manifest themselves in politics and uh anyway so that's that's another reason why i got involved in in religion or in uh, ministry you mean a president or a mayor won't save us (laughs) <laughs> yeah and and neither will a, a march uh, oh, oh yeah. a march won't a save march, us march won't save you either surely surely a summer of rioting will change things <laughs> yeah surely uh, yeah okay um i guess maybe i would end or i would i would have us come to a close on this uh, this idea or or, or mm-hmm. ask you this this question yeah. um in our own lives um one of the things on a podcast is supposed to leave people with a call to action, right? So give them something sure. to do right yeah. at the end of a podcast, if they make it that long. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure all tens and tens of our listeners will make it to the end of this podcast. Yeah. I, I um, don't know. Uh, you know, <laughs> um, for those of us who are listening, uh-huh. um, what can we do? What, what is our call to action? Yeah. Um, in 2022 and beyond. Um, particularly if we are believers, if we believe yeah. in the truth claim of Christ, and if we believe yeah. in everything that goes along with that truth claim of Christ, if we are practically trying to walk the meaning of that out, if we're if we are, as Dr. Jordan Peterson has so infamously said, if we are picking up our cross every day and mm-hmm. and walking up to the top of Golgotha with it, yeah. What can we do to help you? What can we do to help? Um, not necessarily Christianity, because God doesn't need our help. Mm-hmm. Um, what can we do to help our families? I'll frame it this mm-hmm. way: our families, our communities. Um, what can we do to help the church, whether it's our local church or Stonewater? What can we do? Yeah. Um, is it a matter of putting our hands to the plow to actually work? Is it a matter of beating our our well? And I've been thinking about this quite a bit. Bring beating our plows into into swords 
it, it, it might be time for that. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or am I totally off the rocker? Like, what do we, what do we need to be doing? No, Praying, I don't. I don't think you're off the rocker. Um, yeah. So it's interesting. Uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus he talks about anxiety. We live in an anxious age. We live in a culture that is in a world that is full of anxiety. It's mm-hmm. anxious because it doesn't know what's true anymore. Right. It's forgotten what's true. And so when, when uh, the mind can't hold on to truth, mm-hmm. it just holds on to whatever it can. And then that has no foundation. And then it just shakes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so, so that's one person now multiply that times billions of people and you have an anxious world. Right. And so, uh, so Jesus is talking in, in Matthew chapter six about anxiety. Well, actually before that, he talks about prayer, which is an interesting study about, uh, the, the, the connection between prayer and anxiety. So you've mm-hmm. got prayer on one hand, which is a conversation with God mm-hmm. and you've got anxiety, which is a conversation with yourself about the same topic. Okay. Uh, yeah. so, so. So anxiety is a meaningless conversation with yourself about things you can't control. Prayer is a conversation with somebody who cares and can actually do something about the, right. the scenario. And so, uh, but then he goes on and he says, uh, don't, don't worry about tomorrow, what you'll eat, all those things. Don't worry about, you know, God, God will provide for those things. And then he says, mm-hmm. but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be added unto you. So in other words, the things that are occupying your mind, whether it's, uh, is my marriage going to make it? Mm-hmm. Is my, are my kids going to grow up and ever leave my home? Is my job going to pan out, right? Because mm-hmm. most people don't think culture wars. They just think, how do I get through my day? Right. And if I can get through my day, then maybe I'll think about who I'm going to vote for. Right. Maybe I'll think about, am I going to go to church? And so, so what I, what I tell people in marriage counseling uh, all the time is like, if we can, if we can pursue God, if we can, if we can uh, deal with the sinful tendencies in our own hearts and we can pursue the Lord and his kingdom and his righteousness, then my marriage is going to be okay. My kids are going to be okay. Now I can't, I can't determine, I can't make their choices for them. Mm-hmm. But I can, but in doing that, in pursuing the kingdom of God and his righteousness, in, in pursuit of those things, I'm gonna be where I need to be in order to influence the world as best as I can. Again, I can't be responsible for the decisions other people make, but uh, but I can be responsible for myself. I can be responsible to God about about the role that that I need to play and he needs to play in my life. Uh, and that he's asking me to play uh, in this world, uh, and and I think if we can we can obey God for God to God, then uh, then I think we're we're in a we're in a position to win, okay. And uh, um, success is not um, a thousand followers on Instagram or Twitter. Uh, success is faithful obedience to God, faithful, uh, in pursuit of him, uh, in, in, in our daily lives. And then all of those aggregate little, little one-off choices that people make for God in the aggregate, 
like all put together, uh, man, though, that's when a society is transformed into a moral society. That's, you know, and it's, we're not legislating it. We're not, uh, guilt trip guilt tripping people into righteousness because of some ideology crt or whatever it is you come up with uh people are redeemed by god chosen by god loved by god and uh pursuing god in that way and and then they're making righteous decisions with their their neighbors and so anyway so i would say my my word of encouragement would be to uh, to seek first the kingdom of God. If you, if you know God, uh, you've, you've trusted Christ as your savior, like pursue him wholeheartedly, like ask him to do like the psalmist says in Psalm 139, Lord, search my heart and see if there's any unclean way in me, examine me, uh, and then, and, and lead me in the way everlasting Lord. Uh, I, I don't know if I'm going to follow you, God, that's up still up in the air, but at least lead me mm-hmm. in, in the way, uh, in the way everlasting. Um, and, um, yeah. And, and I think, I think if we can, if we can do that, if you don't know Christ, if you haven't taken that step of faith, I would encourage you to, uh, to open, open your heart to, to the word of God, open, open up the, your, your heart to the possibility. And, uh, again, it doesn't take a ton of faith. You don't have to show up gangbusters and, uh, no, have all the answers. Like it just takes a little bit of faith yeah. to trust God. You, all, all you're doing is admitting you need help believing he can help you and confessing uh really which is kind of a church word it's a religious word for agreeing with god mm-hmm. okay when we confess we we just we say i agree with you god agree with him that he's god and you're not and uh, his ways are the right ways and not my ways or anybody else's ways so and that's it thank you pastor brian bagley stonewater church in granbury texas for coming on the Hassan Sorrell's audio experience podcast today. Thank you for that appeal. And, uh, and thank you for laying the words of Christ and the message of Christ on us and on our listeners today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much.